You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Nehemiah chapter 3. That's where we're going to be tonight. Nehemiah chapter 3. This will be our, our last message in, the, in Nehemiah 3. And uh, then we'll be hopefully moving on to Nehemiah 4, and who knows how long we'll be there. So, um, taking our time, but there's a point I want to bring out tonight, Nehemiah chapter 3. And as you find it, we'll stand together out of respect to God's Word. And as we read it, Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we'll stand in honor of it, and then read it, and you, well, then you can be seated. Nehemiah chapter 3, we'll, I'll begin reading in verse 1, we'll read down through verse 5. Says then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren the priests, and they built the sheep gate, they sanctified it, and set up the doors of it. Even under the tower of Mia, they sanctified it under the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zachar the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the son of Hassaniah build, who also built, laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Baana. And this is our key verse that we're looking at tonight. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. I'm going to read that one more time. It says, and next unto them... The Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Father, we love you, and I'm grateful, thankful, thankful for the way that you provide for us. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the clarity of it. I pray tonight that you'd help me as I convey this uh, to do it with the right spirit and to do it with uh, the desire that you would be lifted up and that we would be helped. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and soften us and, and whoever, whatever was brought into this building, this room tonight, I'm praying that you would help us to release it and, and receive forgiveness if that's what it takes or just lay it at your feet so that you can have free reign in our hearts. We ask you to speak, to do something in our midst that we could not do for ourselves. Pray that you bless the reading of your word and bless our time here together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate your standing. Our last message uh, was two weeks ago. We looked at the importance of God's people being willing to put, be nobodies in the work. And maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. Last week I, I switched it up a little bit because of, of the weather and our attendance was down a little bit. And, this, and I really want the, tonight's message to be the kind of thing that everybody hears. Um, because there's a lot here in the book of Nehemiah that is not just good information. I hope that you have seen as we go along, this is helpful material for Eastside Baptist Church, because we are working together in the work of God, and there's a lot of parallels, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of parallels in, you know, in their day, the walls were broken down, and, and the culture was kind of bombarding them and coming after them, and I don't see that being much different in our culture. 
Uh, and there's a lot of churches where the walls are broken down and they didn't stand where they once used to. And there are a lot of families and their walls are broken down and they're not as strong as they used to be. And our fam- the average family unit in independent Baptist churches isn't as strong as it used to be. We're seeing the walls of things come down and, and we have to decide if we're going to be some of the ones that step up and rebuild the walls because they need to be rebuilt. And our last message was about the importance of, of being willing to be in the work of God to just be a nobody. Now, Nehemiah's endeavor to rebuild the wall it involved a lot of different types of people. Uh, if we could go down the line and, and, and they may all look the same, but you would ask some one man building the wall, you would say, what do you do for a living? And he would say, I'm a priest. You'd go a couple people down and say, well, what do you do for a living? And that one might, have, might say, well, I'm just a merchant. You go uh, the next person down and that person might be a shepherd. Another person down might be a goldsmith. You go down a couple more people and you come across a governor, a ruler, somebody that's high up in the land that, that controls a lot of land and makes a lot of decisions. I mean, and, and there are some that you go another person down and that, that one may be an overachiever and this is a guy that's good with his hands and, and he didn't just build one section of the wall, he actually built two sections of the wall. There were those guys, you know, the ones that make everybody else look bad. You know, the guy that, that won't stop working when everybody else is tired. I have a brother-in-law like that. His name is John, and, and I mean, he's Superman. It's just, he, would, he lived an hour and a half away from us when we were building our house. And, and uh, I, would, I would be about ready to call it a day at about 1030 at night. And he would call me from Tulsa about an hour, a little over an hour away, and say, all right, I'm headed over your way. When we get there, we're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And we'll work till, I don't know, 3.30 in the morning. And then I'll drive back and get a couple hours of sleep and I'll be good to go tomorrow. And I'm half asleep. It's my house. I should be the one chomping at the bit. But that's the kind of stuff he just loves. And, and he would call me and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds real, real great. We'll do that. It's my house. And it, you, there are some guys like that. They're just overachievers and you can't... Get them to stop working. And there were guys like that on the wall. So right next to an overachiever might be a guy that could barely rebuild his section. That would be me. I'd be getting help from the overachiever. That's why he built two sections is because he was next to me on the wall. You know, so you have, but my point is that as you go down the line in the wall, not everybody's the same. You've got some rich and you've got some poor and you've got some talented and you've got some not so talented but they're all just hand in hand doing the work. I mean, there was no, there was no requirement uh, to be involved in the work necessarily, except that you would just be faithful and get it done. And we were, we're not told that you had to know a certain amount of things. They were known, they were unknown. Last names didn't matter here. Bank accounts weren't examined before they started the work. They simply lined up next to each other. And that represents an attitude that we all need when it comes to God's work. We just need to be willing to, I mean, arm in arm. Next to, it doesn't matter who we're next to. It doesn't matter who we're working with. You see, we should see God's work as being above us. And that's why the language they used in chapter, uh, in chapter 3 is so appropriate when they would say, let us, or in chapter 2, I should say, when Nehemiah was pitching it, they said, let us rise up and build. You know why they were saying, let us rise up and build? Because Nehemiah pitched this as being God's work. 
This is not small stuff. This is God's work. And so in their minds, they're saying, well, if it's God's work, it's above me. Let's rise up and build. They didn't view the work of God as being something they had to stoop down to. No, when they looked at God, when they realized who they were compared to who God is, they didn't see themselves as rulers and priests and overachievers. Everybody was level. And they looked up to God's work and said, let us rise up and build. The work of God is above us. This is a privilege to get to do anything for God. Let's rise up and build. And when our standard in God's work is God himself, when we're not comparing ourselves to everybody else, when we compare ourselves to God, honestly, we're all just nobodies. There's none of us, compared to God, there's none, none of us special. There's not one of us that has anything very impressive when we compare ourselves to God. For the most part, that's the attitude of almost everybody involved in the work rebuilding the wall. They had an attitude of the humble. They were operated like nobodies, and it was widespread. That was the spirit. That was what you found in the work here. Unfortunately, there were some others that didn't quite catch it. And that's the text that we read in Nehemiah 3, 5 about the Tekelites next door to them they repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. You know, it would be easy to skim right over that verse and move on, but every word in the word matters. Every phrase is there for a reason, and Brother Mark said that this morning in the book of Genesis when he was teaching there, and I agree wholeheartedly, this is here on purpose we should assume there's something to learn from that phrase. That the nobles put not their necks to the work. You see, in the middle of all these nobodies, there's this group of people that were not driven by humility. Instead, they were haughty. They were, they were high and lifted up. And this is the attitude of the haughty. The Bible calls them nobles. Nobles means majestic ones or great ones. So these were influential, important members of society. And just like many of the others mentioned in our passage, they were probably descendants of important people that had come back from Persia, from Babylon, and set up government and and started to reign in the country. These people had authority. They had influence. The Bible calls them Tekoites, which means they were from a city in Judah, called Tekoa. There's not really much significant about it. The prophet Amos was from this city. He was a shepherd from Tekoa. Um, in case you were curious, Amos was from Tekoa. Okay. But it says they put not their necks to the work of the Lord. See, that's an interesting phrase, and, and it likely comes with, from a comparison with oxen. And if you think about oxen working together, their necks are in a yoke together. They're side by side. But, but when there's a stubborn ox and he doesn't want to work, what does he do? He tries to pull his neck out of the yoke. He stops where he's at and he pulls backwards and that other yoke, the other oxen with the yoke is trying to go forward, but he's trying to pull his head out of the yoke and that's very likely where this phrase came from. It's talking about oxen, a stubborn ox. Stubborn as an ox. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've been called that before. I think there are probably a few of us in here that have been. But these nobles, they obviously refuse to get into the work. And the analogy of a stubborn ox reveals this. There's a heart of pride. They had, no, they had a different perspective than everyone else. They refused to help. 
They didn't contribute. They did not rise up and build. And I don't know the reason why they didn't rise up and build. Uh, we're not told for sure. But I do think we have an indication because they're called nobles, I think that's there on purpose. The fact that they're called nobles gives us an indication as to their attitude about themselves and compared to the work of God. See, they had a different perspective on, or a different view on the work of God than everybody else did. These nobles, rather than seeing God as above them, I think it's clear, rather than seeing God as above them, rather than seeing God's work as something they had to rise to, uh, they viewed themselves as more important than the work. They did not view the work of God as something they had to rise to. Likely, in their minds, they're nobles. And they probably viewed the work of God as something they had to stoop down to do. They're nobles. They probably didn't want to get their hands dirty. They probably thought, this is the kind of work the common man does, but I'm a noble. You could say this, they viewed God's work as below them. They were too good for his work. They were nobles. These nobles, these rich ones, these majestic ones, they, the exalted ones, they had the perspective of God and themselves flipped. Rather than God being up and them being down, they saw themselves as being up and God's work as being below them. Rather than seeing themselves having to rise to the work as a privilege to just be involved, they viewed themselves as being above it and therefore too good to get involved. Here's an interesting thought. They, uh, they obviously weren't considering the fact that they were only nobles because God in his provision had delivered their forefathers from exile. Think about that. They were only nobles because a uh, hundred and something years before this, or maybe 90, 100 years before this, uh, God had seen fit to show mercy to the children of Israel after they'd been in bondage in Persia. And God had gone, he had, he had allowed the Persian kings to come and take over Babylon and set up their reign and they were much more friendly or open to the Jews coming back to Jerusalem. And it was only God working providentially to allow that to happen that they were even back in Jerusalem in the first place. It was only because of God that they were in the position they were in. So for them to say, well, I'm a noble and I don't have to work was completely ignoring that they wouldn't even be a noble if it wasn't for God's good hand upon them, putting them in that position to even have their freedom back in Israel. And, and this, is a, this is a good parallel for us. You see, there may be some, and I'm not saying that I see it here at Eastside Baptist, thankfully, but there may be some in the work of God that view themselves as being above the work. And they view themselves as being too important to get their hands dirty. And they think that, they, that if so, there's a work day or there's something that needs to take place, somebody else can do that. I've got more important things to do. But if you'll realize and think about where we all came from, we wouldn't even have spiritual life. We wouldn't be on our way to heaven at all if God had not intervened through Jesus Christ on a cross. And we all are, are debtors to the price that he paid on Calvary. We're all the same. There's nobody in this room better than somebody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross and we're all standing there as debtors to the price, to the blood. It's still the blood, the blood that he paid on Calvary. But that didn't really seem to matter to them. 
They forgot about God's mercy. They weren't all that concerned with it. They were in their homeland. They're living their life and living the dream and ruling and they're nobles and they're rich and they're majestic ones and they're too good for the work. You see the two attitudes, don't you? See, we either approach serving God like a nobody or we approach serving God like a noble. See, a, a nobody is willing to help anytime, any place, in any job. They're not above the work. A noble's not willing to lower themselves to do the work. A noble doesn't stick their neck out to make a difference. A noble's thought is this I have a position and an important name, and that's, I shouldn't have to build walls. Or, or they say, I'm a noble, I should be the one in charge. Who does Nehemiah think he is? I'm a noble, he's just a, a cupbearer to the king. I should be the one calling the, the, the shots on this project. I should be the general contractor, not just a flunky running around building a part of the wall. See, when you have a wrong perspective about yourself in relation to God and his work, you're not willing to stick your neck out and do your part. That's the attitude of a noble. Nothing, folks, nothing hinders the work of God like the attitude of a noble. See, a noble is willing to leave work undone and let somebody else do it to pick up the slack. Think about that. This wall had to be built. The wall had to get finished. Regardless of how many were involved, if only five men had volunteered, the wall still needed to be done. The work still had to get done. And if someone didn't do their part, someone else either would have to take up their part and do double the work, or it just wouldn't get done. Unless we're involved in important work, and we have the task as, as a church, a, a New Testament church, we've been tasked with taking the gospel to the world. The work has to be done. It needs to be done. But, but, it, but if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. And if we say, well, somebody else can take care of it, then we are saying that well, it still has to get done, but I don't really care all that much. It's just going to be left undone. Or someone will have to pick up the slack for us. We're, the attitude of a noble is willing to leave things undone because he doesn't feel like he's got to get involved in the work. So it means that work is left undone if you have the attitude of a noble. If you have the attitude of a noble, a noble it also destroys unity. Proverbs 13.10 is a great verse. It says, only by pride cometh contention. You know, anytime you're in a situation where there's bickering and there's pride and there's problems between, uh, or there's bickering and contention between people, you know the reason for that every single time? According to Proverbs 13.10, the reason every time is pride. Only by pride cometh contention. That's why I don't, I don't buy the argument that pe when people say, we just can't work together because our personalities, they're just not compatible. No, you're, pr you're proud. You have pride. Only by pride cometh contention. The, uh, it's possible, then, that lets me believe that it's possible if people are humble toward each other. It's possible for anybody, any personality type, any past experience, it's possible to work together in unity if pride is not involved. See, the biggest source of disunity is a selfish, self-focused approach to ministry. We can, Eastside Baptist Church can overcome a lot of things. 
We can overcome trials and we can overcome tests and we can overcome times where maybe seasons where, where we drop in attendance or we have an issue that comes up and we just work through it. But we cannot overcome a proud spirit among God's people. It is just about impossible. And if there is something that will take down a church like Eastside Baptist Church, it's a proud spirit. There's no unity if there's contention. Philippians 2.3 says a great verse, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You want a ministry philosophy? You, you, we're coming into a season of busyness. You want to have a ministry philosophy, a verse that comes to your mind every time you're working with somebody? Let Philippians, memorize Philippians 2. And in your mind every day, say, let, lowly, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The next verse, I believe, it says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That would transform the unity of a church if we all just simply operated with principles like that. So when we have the work or the attitude of a noble, the work doesn't get done, it destroys unity, and worst of all, it puts God in opposition to us because we're proud. What does James 4 say? God what? The proud. God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. If, we're, if we have the attitude of a noble, then, then we're not actually empowered with God's help. We are resisted by his hand. We don't have his grace helping us. When we have an attitude of pride in the work, God is working against us. He resists us. And this work will not move forward. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. Galatians 6.3 says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. See, when it comes to God's work, we either view ourselves as nobles or nobodies. What's your attitude? See, nobodies recognize who God is and who they are, and they accept whatever role they get to play, and they say this is a privilege. But nobles view themselves above the work and will only serve on their terms. Are you a noble or a nobody? Well, how do you know? Okay, are there tasks in the work that you're not willing to help with? Are you a noble or a nobody? How do you know? Do you begrudge others who seem to have a more important position or might be more influential? Uh, how do you know if you're noble or nobody? Is there anything that you've been asked to do that you resent? Are you a noble or a nobody? Well, do you find yourself withdrawing from areas of service because it's just not as fulfilling as you thought it would be and it's not what you expected it to be? Are you a noble or a nobody? Do you see areas in which help is needed but ignore them because you're holding out for something bigger? These are good questions to ask ourselves. And I'm not even accusing. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm, we need to examine ourselves and make sure that in the work of God, if we really believe that God's work cannot go forward with the attitude of the haughty, with the attitude of the noble, then I want to make sure that I'm not one of the ones contributing to God's resistance. I want to approach God's work and I want to approach God's people and whatever task he asks me to do, I want to approach it like a nobody. If the work of God is going to make the difference it can, we have to be nobodies, not nobles. You see, humble nobodies, they're quick to volunteer. 
I, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for people. It doesn't matter what needs to be done. There are some people, and you can count on it just about every time, if you say there's a need in this area, there are some people that I, I, every time, it's almost without fail, they're there and they're helping and they're asking, what can I do? And listen, I'm thankful for that. And, and there may not always be a place for, for you to work, and there may not always be uh, time or, or room, or somebody else may do it. But please maintain the spirit of someone who's willing to volunteer because that reflects the attitude of a nobody and churches need people like that. Humble nobodies do things without being prompted. If you see something that needs to be done, a a, a noble walks by and says somebody else will, will take care of that. I mean, I'm just going to use it as an example. There's a piece of trash right down here on the floor. It's been bothering me ever since I started preaching. You know what a noble does when they see a piece of trash on the floor at church? They look at it and they walk by and they say, somebody will pick that up. You know what a nobody does? They stop and pick it up and they throw it away. And, and, I, and I'm not judging anybody for this, so I, but there are plenty of times I've seen people walk by something on the floor of God's house and leave it there to, for somebody else to pick up. You know, we should have the mindset, a noble doesn't let a piece of trash sit on the floor. They're not above reaching down and picking up a piece of trash. They don't have to be prompted. They don't have to be asked. They're going to be the ones that see it and do it. That's the spirit of a nobody. A nobody is willing to defer to other people. That's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you want to have the last word, and sometimes uh, we're thinking, well, my way is best, and, and, and I really know what I'm talking about here. But a nobody is willing to defer to somebody else because in the end, does it matter if you get your way? As long as the work is moving forward, it doesn't matter who accomplishes it. That should be our mindset. A, a nobody says, it's okay if, you don't get the, if I don't get the position, and it's okay if I don't get the recognition. I can't tell you how many times in God's work, in local church work, that somebody didn't get recognized for something that they did uh, from the pulpit or, or some way they didn't get recognized and it became an offense. It happened, folks, it happens all the time. But a nobody is willing to say, I didn't do it for recognition anybody. anyway. I do what I do as heartily as unto the Lord. And if he's, and if he's our, our target, if he's our reason, he never misses it. He never forgets, and he doesn't miss it. It doesn't get past him. He saw it. And nobody's willing to do their part, no matter how small. Even if it's a small part. I mean, surely there was somebody on that wall, that rebuilding the wall, that had a lot of skill in that area, but they didn't get a very big job. And actually, they probably were helping somebody else. And it took somebody, the attitude of a nobody, that said, I'm willing to, I, I could do more, but I'm willing to do this because God has me doing this. So I'll just trust his sovereignty and stay right here. An attitude has a spirit of one that's easy to work with. When people hear your name and they think work with them, do they think, okay, that's a pleasure? Or do they think, well, that's, this is going to be difficult? There's going to be some difficult, here, difficult to hear and I just have to defer. When people hear your name, do they think noble or do they think Nobody. See, nobles, they let others bear the weight of the ministry. Uh, nobles will only serve if they're approached directly and asked. 
Nobles are unwilling to serve unless people do it their way. Nobles get their feelings hurt or they don't, if they don't get the position or the recognition they felt they deserved. Uh, nobles only get involved if the task is a certain size or you can be the one in charge. Nobles are difficult to work with. Nobles are basically unwilling to submit themselves to authority even if they do it outwardly. Nobles make sure they express their displeasure either in front of or behind the back of leadership. That's what nobles, or no, that's what nobles do. See, only a church that's characterized by humility will ever see God accomplish a great work through them. Otherwise, we have God's resistance. He has his hand against us. For Eastside Baptist Church to become all it will, or all it could be, it's going to take a family, a church family, that's willing to serve in their place with humility. We need nobodies. And I believe the sky's the limit for this church. I believe the sky's the limit for this church and this church family and this community with this building and you, these people. I also believe the primary reason that churches like ours, and I'm not saying it happens here, but churches like this, with all of that potential, I do believe that the reason churches like ours don't get to experience all that's possible is because of the resistance that either keeps people from serving where they should or getting involved like they should or having a spirit of humility just working together. If we're going to be what we could... It's going to take some nobodies instead of nobles. A perfect application of a principle like this lies right in front of us. And I don't want to make anybody have an ulcer, develop an ulcer tonight, but we're less than three months away from ladies' retreat. Everybody's heart starts racing, beads of sweat on your forehead. You know, I have have not witnessed how you work together, and I... I have no reason to think it'd be anything other than what I would, what no, the uh, attitude of nobodies. But I do believe that when you come to a time of the year when this is before us, we have to be reminded of some things because if we miss out, listen, if we get through ladies' retreat and our church is not characterized by unity, we have missed what God wanted for us. I've been around long enough to know this is I'm thankful for the contributions from ladies in a church, but I've also seen how certain spirit among ladies can hinder the progress and unity of a church or an event. I know some pretty sensitive men too, so guys, listen, you don't get a pass. <laughs> but ladies especially, okay, we're just family talk, right? Ladies especially have to be careful not to hold on to things and let it affect how they work together. It's just the nature of it. And I'm not pointing fingers, and, I, and I, trust me, if anyone can speak on the authority of, of the subject of having f- lots of females around, have you ever been to my house? There are lots of females in the Jet family. I know how it is. So I therefore have some authority on the subject. But I do believe it's important that ladies realize they have to guard themselves against offenses and disunity and a critical spirit. See, the ones who say, well, I'm not offendable. You've heard that before. The ones who say, oh, you can't offend me. 
you really, you can't rock this boat, or nothing really bothers me, you're good, just tell me whatever. Those are usually the ones who can be the most disruptive in the end. Don't assume that you're above it. Remember, it's the trademark of nobles to see themselves as being above. We, we're all safest to assume that pride and a noble spirit can trip even me up or even you up. None of us are above this. The, and the answer also, the answer is not, well, we just, again, we just don't work together. People know I'm over here, they're over there, and we just don't work together. No, I believe the most pleasing alternative to God is to say, I'll be a noble or a nobody so we can work together. There's nobody that God can't have me working next to. If, if I'm building next to the, on the wall, building next to somebody that I haven't got along with in the past or we have a history, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to lock arms and we're going to work together because I'm not a noble, I'm a nobody. And I will defer and I will work together and we'll have unity in this. If everybody would have that spirit, any issues that come up would take care of themselves. You know, there may be some things that aren't done the way they've always been done. And that may or may not be intentional. And I tell you, usually it's not intentional. Usually it is not uh, purposeful that someone will come in and change some things. They're just doing things the way that comes naturally to them. And, and I, I appreciate your patience in this with us in this transition. Um, we, don't co- we did not come in thinking we're going to fix everything around here. We, we're doing things the way that just come natural or the way that we've seen them done and we're trying to do our best. There's not ever been a time where we come in and we're saying we're going to change this and, and I cannot wait to see them mad. Trust me, that is not the way to build a church. <laughs> but listen, your response in spirit, if and when it happens, when things aren't done the way they've always been done, it will reveal if you view yourself as a nobody or a noble. Now, I am not saying, and I, and I want to be careful, I am not saying that constructive help isn't welcome because it is. And I'm thankful. There have been plenty of times where, where we're just doing things the way that we think or know that we've seen done, and somebody comes and says, hey, this is the way that we did it before, and, and I think it were, really would work well if you try it. And we're not above that. It helps. But a nobody has the mind to help. And a noble tries to make a point. So be careful of disrupting unity by letting others know when you're unhappy about something. Ladies, rise above it. We have to rise to build. We have to rise to maintain unity. We have to rise to please God as a church. There are things we have to rise above. It's just the nature of it. Not everybody gets their way. Not everybody gets to choose. Otherwise, we live down where we naturally just want to dwell Be a nobody, not a noble. As we approach this busy time of year, there may be things uh, not, there may not be, they may not be done the way you think they should be done. I can guarantee that's accurate. And you have to decide if you will respond with the spirit of one who views God's work as being a privilege above and not a task below. And you have to decide, listen, I'm just in this for the Lord and it's for his glory and it's not just for me to get my way and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't get done the way that I think it should get done. There, there will be some changes made and not to hurt anybody's feelings or leave somebody out. In any transition, things tend to be done differently and you have to make the decision whether or not God's work is above you or you are above God's work. We submit to the work. We submit to God. 
It's for His glory. It's not so that my will can be done. There will be some people that don't do what they did last time. And it might be you. Again, I can promise you it would be more about oversight and less about intentional, purposeful changes. But let me ask you this question. Do you trust God's sovereignty? Do you believe He puts you in the places you're supposed to be? And if you believe that, then He can make up for whatever you might consider to be lacking. And the mindset of a nobody decides to give it their best where they're assigned. Again, I can promise you, there were men around the wall at, in Jerusalem and they were thinking, I could do so much more than this. I am well quali- more than qualified for this job. I really should be doing that. But I will just submit because it's not about me. It's about the work. And anything I get to do for God's a privilege. I'll just serve as well as I can right where I am. Nobodies are okay with that. There will be some things that don't go as well as they should. Um, that happens to me a lot. <laughs> happens all the time. Transition or not, there will be some things that don't go well. Resist the urge to use that as an opportunity to throw barbs at each other. Because there will be something that you didn't agree with, and it, and it got done that way anyway, and, and when it doesn't go well, you might be tempted to say, okay, I'm going to start throwing some little barbs. And let them know, well, if they just listened to me, it would have been a lot better. No, resist the urge. Nobodies don't throw barbs. Nobodies don't make subtle or, or not so subtle comments. Nobodies view themselves as below the work and they refuse to let even hurt feelings hold, their, hold them back. And as a matter of fact, they'll even not let their feelings get hurt. You have to make the decision to rise above a critical spirit and realize that God can overcome things that don't go right. And when you don't understand, assume the best, not the worst. See, assume that the the same in other ladies that you think is true about yourself. We're good at giving, aren't we good at giving ourselves room and giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but when it comes to other people, it's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? See, you know how you typically, and I do too, we have good intentions and even if I make a mistake or you make a mistake and we didn't mean to do it and we hope other people will give us the benefit of the doubt, do that for somebody else. Give them the same room that you give yourself. Do the same for them. Assume the best, not the worst. By the way, that's a great, way, a great philosophy or principle to live by in a local church. Uh, always assume the best. Not the worst. See, nobles assume the worst. But nobodies assume the best. And ladies, let me tell you this. Embrace whatever lady you end up standing by. Embrace whatever lady that you end up serving next to. See, we should never use or hear the phrase, well, we don't work together well, or I just can't work with her. During my last message, I brought up how the phrase next unto them or next to him or next to them, it's used all throughout Nehemiah chapter 3. And I I brought up how that phrase literally means by their hand. In other words, they were close enough. These guys were close enough. If they had wanted to, they could have reached out and held hands. And I'm not not saying they they would have because I, I wouldn't want to do that. But if they could have, they, could, they would have. I mean, they, they were close enough by their hand 
next unto them. In other words, they were close enough to each other to work together. They weren't doing their own thing and do it, you know, this person's over here and doing their thing and this person's over there. Uh, they're just doing their thing. No, those building the wall embraced whoever was next to them because it was about the work which was above them anyway. Nobles have, have a list of pre-approved co-laborers. And I'm not trying to, man, I'm, I know this is getting detailed. I'm, not, I'm honestly not calling people out tonight. I'm just telling you, I've been around ladies in projects doing work and I've seen how it can be. And nobles have pre-approved lists of, of co-laborers that are approved to work together with them. But nobodies will grab their neighbors by the hand and just get to work because that's who's next to them. See, the ladies retreat, and it's just one example. There are many, many other examples of things that we'll be doing together in the work and for God, and we need to apply these principles every time. And whatever project we're doing, whatever event is coming up, whatever, whoever you sit next to in the choir, whoever you help in Sunday school or in junior church, whatever you end up doing, these are principles that we ought to live by and realize that anything that we get to do for God, small or great, it's all a privilege, and I don't even deserve to be involved in, in, in any way anyway, so I'll just embrace where I'm at, who, am I, who I'm next to, and whatever role I have, and I'll just roll with this. See, behind the scenes or in front of people, I mean, what we've done before or what we haven't done with the people we worked with last time or not in our old place or in a new place, even if we're asked to do something different or to change something that, that, that I've already worked on, if I have the spirit of a nobody, none of that will bother me. Here's the mentality we must have when serving God. If we want unity in the work. The smallest task in the work of God is a bigger job than I deserve. Therefore, I will be a humble nobody who's simply content to rise up and build. And I refuse to be a noble who views himself above the work. I'm going to say that again because I think it's a pretty good mantra. The smallest task in the work of God is a bigger job than I deserve. Therefore, I will be a humble nobody, content to rise up and build. I refuse to be a noble who views himself above the work. See, in case we forget, Jesus Christ is the only one who ever deserved glory and honor and praise. And if there was ever somebody that should have been called a noble, it's Jesus Christ. Yet what did he do? He became a nobody. He was born as a carpenter's son, laid in a manger as a baby. He washed his disciples' feet. He ate with publicans and sinners. He met a Samaritan woman of ill repute at a well and talked with her for a good part of the day. He let a former harlot wash his feet. He left his father's side to die on a cross for sinners. He became a nobody. And yet he deserves to be called a noble. 
And yet, many times, those of us who could never earn the title noble, we wouldn't dare stoop to the title of nobody. We've got it flipped around, don't we? And and we think that tasks are below us in the ministry, and Jesus Christ left his Father's side and came. uh, We think we have a right to take matters into our own hands. If we're not happy and we don't like something, we're going to do this. And yet, here's Jesus Christ, uh, and he is letting them beat him and laugh at him, and he could have done something about it at any moment there, and yet, as a nobody, he stood there. He hung there as a nobody instead of a noble. Because he knew that if God's work is going to get done, nobodies have to do it. See, if that's our view, we're not, if we're, our view is a noble, we're not seeing things clearly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Same passage, Philippians 2, we were talking about earlier. It's time for us to see things clearly. If we serve like a noble, we will hinder God's work going forward. But if we serve and operate as a nobody, God will enable us, this church, with his grace. And we could perhaps be part of something potentially incredible. And it's going to take a room full of nobodies instead of nobles. So which one are you? How do you approach the work as a noble or as a nobody? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.